0: This is day three together of our look through Revelation 21. Let me begin by reading verses six to eight. Here's what God says. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, The unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And these verses tell us God's perspective on what's going to happen in eternity. And it begins with those words that we talked about a few weeks ago. You might remember as we walked through the book of Revelation. It begins with those words in verse 6, It is done. Remember, these are the same words that God spoke at the end of the time of judgment. It is done. And now, this creation of a new heaven and earth, it is done. And let me just remind you, a few weeks ago, we talked about four creation events. Creation, God looked at everything and said, it's good. Salvation, it is finished on the cross. Judgment, it is done. And new creation, here again, it is done. These are all events that are about the new creation that God is bringing about, about God's plan. When God said it is done with judgment, he was dealing with the evil that's in this world. When God says it is done here in verse 6, he is bringing in the joy of a new heaven and a new earth for all of eternity. It is done. Then why is it done? As you read on, it's done because of who God is. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. It starts to tie everything together in the book of Revelation. It takes us back to chapter 1. Remember in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. So there it is in chapter 1, and here it is towards the end in chapter 21. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He doesn't want us to miss this. God's at the center of this. From beginning to end, he is at the center. From beginning to end. To the end of the book of Revelation, God's at the center. From the beginning to the end of the Bible, God's at the center. From the beginning to the end of your life, God is at the center, whether you recognize it or not. And from the beginning to the end of human history, God is at the center. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And as the Alpha and Omega, as the one who has completed all of this, here is his promise He says, I will give to him who is thirsty to drink. I'll quench your thirst, your deepest longing. Without cost, I'll give it free from the spring of the water of life. I love it that John gets to record these words. Remember, John wrote his gospel and wrote the words of what he'd experienced in watching the life of Jesus. And so in his gospel, John writes in chapter 4 of what he saw happen that day that Jesus met with a woman beside a well. And in John 4:13 4, and 14, John records Jesus' Jesus's words. Everyone who drinks this water, the water from this well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. John the Apostle had been there that day. He saw the woman. He saw the well. He heard these words. He also was there the day in John chapter 7 in Jerusalem, the day of the feast, in this feast of tabernacles. And in the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stands up and he says in John 7, 37 and 38, he says in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. So here's John the apostle who had seen these things, who had recorded them in his gospel. And now towards the end of his life, here's Here's John the elder, who has shown these things again, and he hears these words from God. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Jesus can quench your greatest thirsts. He can meet your deepest need. Now, not everyone is going to allow him to do this. The scripture tells us very clearly here in verse 8 that there are some who will not overcome, and they'll be in the lake of fire. The description that is given here confuses many of us. The question that comes is, wait, wait I see myself in this description. It talks about liars. I, I've lied. It talks about idolaters. I've put things before God in my life. And the question comes, how am I going to make it into heaven? In verse 8, let me read that verse again. The cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, their place is a place apart from God. Let me... Uh, remind you of what this means. This is a story of the life that is lived apart from God. This is the story of those who trust in themselves. And because of their fears, the cowardly, or because of their doubts, the unbelieving, they choose their selfish sins instead of a love of God. And there's a partial list of those sins here. It's not even a complete list. And because they choose their selfishness instead of love of God, they'll be separated from God. They've chosen to be separated from him. So they'll be separated from him in the only place of separation in this new creation, the lake of fire. The truth of the matter is your identity when you come to Jesus Christ, the moment you say to him, I ask you to come into my life, he changes your identity. So you say, well, wait, I've lied. God doesn't see you as a liar any longer. Wait, I've been an idolater. God doesn't see you as an idolater any longer. Wait, I've been sexually immoral. God doesn't see you as sexually immoral any longer. The moment you say to Jesus Christ, I trust you with my life, when God looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees you as his son. Now you say, wait, wait, I've committed some of these sins. God no longer sees it that way because of what Christ has done for you. So as you look at this description in verse eight, it's a description of a life without Christ. And all I'm left with is my selfish sins. All I'm identified by is the way that I've lived in this world. I don't want to stand before God on my own. I want to stand before God in the goodness that only Christ can give. And as I do that, verse 7 tells me exactly what will happen. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now, first, what does it mean to overcome? It talks about those who overcome and those who do not overcome. What it means to overcome is to trust in God. I overcome the ways of this world. I overcome the selfishness of this life. I overcome the temptations of this world. And specifically in Revelation, I overcome the beast, the way of this world. I overcome Babylon, the direction of this world, and I choose him instead. And when that happens, this is what the book of Revelation is all about, verse 7. We talked about this from the very beginning. When that happens, we will inherit all of this. The book of Revelation is the opening of a will. And here we're told again, we are gaining an inheritance. Now, some of you, it might bother, I will be his God and he will be my son. You're thinking, wait, I'm his daughter. I'm not his son. In this case, you want to be his son. Even as a woman, you want to be his son, because the son is the one who gets the inheritance. That's why it's very clearly his son here. In the wills that were read in the days of Jesus, only the sons gain the inheritance. I know it's different today. But it was that way in that day. And so we are very clearly told that the gaining of the inheritance of even the firstborn goes along with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Inheritance, the gaining of an inheritance. It is not so much about possession as it's about relationship. He who overcomes will inherit all of this. And I will be his God and he will be my son. And as his child, that is your greatest, inheritance Oh, we're going to hear the descriptions in the days to come next few days of what heaven is all about what it's going to be like but the greatest inheritance is the inheritance of that relationship with God that closeness with God that we enjoy together for all eternity well let's experience it right now as we talk to him and as you pray right now just say father thank you that I am your child and thank you that whether son or daughter I will have the rights of a firstborn son. I will have the rights of inheritance. Gained not by anything that I've done, not the order of my birth even, but gained by what Jesus has done and by his death and his resurrection. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done for me. And thank you that in this book of Revelation, you reveal to me this inheritance, what you will do about evil and how you will take care of the ways of this world how you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth and how I will enjoy the inheritance of my relationship with you forever. I don't have to wait though. Even while I'm living in this world, I want to take a moment right now today to thank you. Thank you that I'm your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at a new Jerusalem.